0: Oh, good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Chris. If I haven't met you yet, I hope to get to do that and find out a little bit about your story. But it was a good moment in worship, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I I trust you came in ready to take a drink this morning and to be filled. Uh, the, somebody had a picture during worship uh, that just went along with what Jess shared. Even that they said that when when the guitar notes were finger picking, they saw that like little drops of rain falling. And hitting the parched ground of our hearts and our lives. So I trust you were refreshed in his presence this morning. It was one of those moments I don't want to leave and move on. But I'm going to leave and move on to, because to, I got notes. I got stuff to say this morning. We got things to share. Merry Christmas to everybody. This is, this is, this is actually Christmas Sunday, uh, if you're following along on the calendar and what's happening. Uh, so I hope you've got some stuff squared away before next weekend. You've got any shopping left to do. Get it done this week. This is your last minute commercial. But uh, we've been in a series this month for Advent called To Be Honest. How many of you enjoy being honest? Uh, that's a loaded question, isn't it? That's, that's one of those ones you really do have to think about. We've been talking about being honest because people appreciate being real and authentic when we have honesty in our lives, uh, not just being honest for the sake of letting the truth fly and killing everybody around us, but, but speaking the truth in love and being real people just like Jesus was a real person who came and walked this earth and lived a life that, like we live so that we could know him. And uh, if, as I was thinking about being honest, uh, how many of you ever remember going to, to see Santa in the department store when you were younger or at the mall? Anybody old enough to do that? They still have Santa at the mall. I've seen him. Uh, well, I saw this one talking about being honest to the little kid sitting on Santa's lap. He says, I've been good. Let's just leave it at that. My lawyers advised me not to answer any more questions. <laughs> Some, some people's honesty only goes to a certain extent, uh, especially when they're talking about what they've been doing and what kind of life they've been living. And I was, I was also thinking about the last couple years. How many of you know the last couple years have been difficult for some people? Right. Like, like COVID was a real thing. Everybody's staying apart for a while, and we're just starting to get back together. I heard uh, uh, AAA said this Christmas they're starting to see travel pre-COVID levels, like people are going and visiting their family and reuniting once again. I thought that was pretty awesome. And I thought about people during uh, COVID during 2020. I saw this Christmas card that a family sent out. They said, it's fine. We're fine. Everything is fine. How many of you can read between the lines on that? They, They might not have said it, but there is some honesty being communicated with that card. And that's what we're after. We're talking about being honest with our relationships and the people that we're involved with. And being honest, especially before the Lord. He knows it all anyway. There's no point in hiding it from Him or trying to disguise it all. And the, the first week we talked about being vulnerable, that Jesus became vulnerable so that we could know Him. And last week we talked about letting go of some of the assumptions we make. Because some of our assumptions aren't always the most helpful in our relationships with God and others. And this week I want to end this series uh, by talking a little bit about fear. And sometimes fear can keep us from being honest and authentic. And when we're done with this uh, message today, you might want to leave this place substituting do not be afraid for the phrase Merry Christmas. How many of you know those, those, you read through the biblical story, and you could almost make that case that when you say Merry Christmas to somebody, what you're really communicating is fear not. The Savior of the world has come. That's what Christmas is all about. And I was thinking about it: what things make us afraid. You have have a list, you have horror movies or spiders or snakes or heights, those are the ones that get the most press, right? Those are the things that people say, oh man, I've got this fear of whatever. But there are some things in life that I think are more terrifying than any animal or extreme activity that you could think of. What about having an honest conversation with somebody? What about people knowing who we really are? What about taking a risk to do something that you've never done before? I think there are things that are way more scary for a lot of people than any, any spider or any horror movie that you could ever see. And that's what I want to talk about. Don't worry if you've experienced fear. Can we be honest in church when we're doing a message called To Be Honest? How, how many of you have ever experienced fear in your life at some point? Come on, 100% of the hands ought to go up on that one. Don't worry if you've experienced fear. It is common to the human condition. Because you are a person, you will have to deal with fear at some point in your life. I think that's why the most common repeated command in the entire Bible is do not fear or be not afraid or fear not, some version of that, because God knew we're humans. And we experience that and we have to process it. And I will tell you this morning, confronting and processing fear is actually part of the journey of connecting with God and his plan for our lives. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not just talking about natural things we're afraid of, but I'm talking about our walk with Jesus as Christians. There will be times when it produces fear in us and we have to confront it and process it as we're relating to God. Whether you realize it or not, fear played a huge part in the first nativity story. The thing that we're here celebrating, we're thinking about baby Jesus and the little glow that's around Mary and Joseph in the manger scene. We're, we're talking about Jesus' advent, and there was real fear that's woven throughout the story. I want to look at a couple of moments from that story this morning. In the time when Herod was king, there was a priest who worked in the temple, and his name was Zechariah. He had a wife named Elizabeth. So if you're if you're looking for baby names, Zechariah, Elizabeth, okay, um, it's a good one. It's a strong name, Zechariah. You can shorten it to Zach or Zek. I don't know how you would pronounce that, uh, but. Uh, he worked in the temple, and they ended up, Zechariah and Elizabeth were famously John the Baptist's parents. That's how they wove into the story. That's who their son was. But part of his priestly duties included Zechariah going into the temple when it was his turn. They made a schedule. They probably used planning center, just like the worship team and the kids' workers. They just, Zechariah checked off, I accept my request to be on the volunteer schedule this month. And they worked in the temple and he would go in and he would burn incense while everybody else waited outside and worshiped. Because not everybody was allowed to go into the temple. There were only certain priests that were allowed to go in and approach God and be in that room with his presence. And I don't know how Zechariah felt about his priestly duties. It had been 400 years since there was a recognized prophet of God who had heard God's voice or seen an authentic supernatural move. Do you think at some point you just put it on autopilot? Hey, I'm a priest. Yeah, I work at the temple. I go in, I burn the little candles. We, we buy incense down at, the, at Trader Joe's and we take it in there. What, what do you do with that when you've been waiting? You know what's supposed to be happening. This is the God of the universe who made all of us and called us his chosen people. And we come in, we worship him, and we've got all this supernatural activity in our past. Yet it had been 400 years since they'd heard from God. Some of us get frustrated if it's been four weeks since we think we've heard God speak. Come on. We can be honest in church, right? That's what we're talking about. How many of you have ever had it out with God? What should I do in this moment? And we're frustrated about it, and it hasn't been 400 years. Right. Right. Come on, but that's what he's faced with. He goes in, and he's walking in the temple one day, doing his normal duties. This, I'm on the schedule again. I've got to go do the thing. And this is what it says in Luke 1.11. It says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar, we talk about, last week we talked about assumptions in our imagination, and sometimes, well, how do you picture this event happening? We picture the angel as being like this somewhat hazy, glowing figure in a white robe, or maybe a white pantsuit, maybe that's more modern, and he's got perfect hair, he's got a little backlit, like who knows where that light's coming from, but he's just backlit all the time. Come on, how many of you have ever thought about what did that really look like, Then an angel appeared to him? If you read through scripture with an eye for it, you'll see a lot of angelic activity. You will see angels throughout scripture that God used as messengers and to get his bidding done. And sometimes they would appear similar to us to interact with our world and and they look just like a person you couldn't tell any difference maybe you've entertained an angel unaware. Come on. But other times they would have wings and eyes and all this stuff that would freak you out. There's mysterious language in scripture trying to grab hold of what did the angel look like. Think about it. When, when Peter escaped from jail in Acts 12, he wasn't bothered at all by an angel. It was like, oh, this guy's coming to break me out of prison. That's an awesome thing to think about. Like, God really engineered a prison break. That's, <laughs> that is so cool. So he wasn't bothered at all. He thought, oh, I'm following this guy. I'm going to get set free. But then you read a story like Isaiah chapter 6. He sees the very throne room of God with these angels flying back and forth. And it says, when they spoke, the doorposts of the whole place shook. And he sees an angel. And instead of not being bothered at all, he says, woe is me. I'm, I'm about to be done in here because I don't belong in this place. Come on, angels appeared throughout Scripture, but they look very different all the time. And I thought when I read this passage, I started thinking, what version of an angel did Zechariah see? Which which one of those ends of the spectrum was closest to the vision that he had that an angel appeared and was standing right there so he wouldn't miss him? Because that was his job. I got to go to the altar of incense and burn the incense. And to get his attention, he's standing right there. Can you picture this with me this morning? Here's a place where nobody else is allowed to go in except the priest. And he walks in and there's a guy leaning on the table right by where he's supposed to work. And he might be glowing, he might be on fire, he might have a white pantsuit. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but it says in Luke 1.12 that Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. If this were a modern rendition, we would say Zech was shook. And some of you are like, Pastor Chris, you're too old to say stuff like that. Just stick with the story. Come on, he was shaken with fear. He was overcome. It actually, if you study the, the, that word there where it says he was overwhelmed with fear, it means he was gripped or seized or the Amplified actually says fear took possession of him. Have you ever been so afraid you just seized up? Like, uh, I don't even know what to do right now. Come on, have you ever been there? My brain can't even process what I'm seeing and what's happening right now. I'm overwhelmed with fear. I can't make my body do what my mind is telling it because fear has taken hold of me. I was was thinking about this the first time I ever went snow skiing with somebody. And and how many of you have ever been snow skiing? They got the slopes divided up and like, oh, follow the sign with the little green circle. You won't be in trouble. That's the easy ones. Then they got the blue square and the black diamond. And the first time you go skiing, they say the black diamond. You'll die if you do that one. I remember going one time skiing and we're on those little green dots and we're following the slope. We're like, oh, this is easy. But eventually the trail emptied out into the hill that went back down to the, the clubhouse or wherever. And I remember, and, and it's, it's almost stupid to like think about in retrospect, but I remember standing there with my legs like this so I wouldn't move and thinking, I can't do that. And that, that's what I feel about this. I was gripped with fear because how could I possibly? I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to turn. I'm going to die if I go down this hill. And it was probably just a nice easy slope to get back to the clubhouse. Whatever it looked like, Zechariah was gripped with fear nothing was working he couldn't take another step and I want to challenge our thinking about the angel for a second it doesn't say anything about what he looked like all it says is he was standing there next to the altar it doesn't say that he was threatening Zechariah or yelling at him or even that he had a big flaming sword or, or was doing something menacing to him it just says he was standing there next to the altar I think, go with me for a second this morning, I think Zechariah's fear came more from the atmosphere and the message that the angel was carrying with him more than what the angel looked like. And I think that sometimes, come on, this was the first real message from heaven in 400 years. And I think the atmosphere that came into that room when the angel came, when heaven broke through into that moment, the weight of the glory of God in the atmosphere of heaven was terrifying to Zechariah. Someone who had never experienced a real supernatural encounter because he was just checking the boxes and doing the duty. And he was gripped with fear. He was probably the first priest in centuries that had a supernatural experience in that room in the temple. Man, can I tell you, we need some super on top of our natural. And sometimes when it shows up, it might be terrifying. Sometimes when heaven breaks into our realm, it causes people to fear. I think that's part of why people gravitate back towards the rules and tradition and just, just give me the simple stuff to do and, and don't make me interact with God. It's because sometimes heaven can be scary if you've never experienced it and you don't know the nature and the character of God and how much he loves you and the good that he has for you. There is some real fear that can grip you. And I think... What happens sometimes when heaven starts to break into our reality? Human nature starts to trigger us to look at all of our shortcomings. Did you ever experience that when, when you're in a place where you know Jesus is speaking? Whether it's some, from somebody talking from the pulpit, or you're reading your Bible and you see something, or a prophetic person comes and starts to give you a message, and you start thinking, he can't be talking to me. Look, look at all my stuff. Like I can't be worthy of hearing this message from God. And when we, when we start making those excuses, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not smart enough, whatever you're filling in that blank with, fear starts to grip us. Because we're seeing the atmosphere of heaven, we're feeling that message that he wants to give to us, and we're looking at ourselves. Can I tell you again, be at peace It's okay, that's a common experience. I think heaven comes to upend natural expectations and limitations. We've ordered our lives based on what we see, what we feel, what we experience, and heaven comes to turn all that upside down on its head. Yeah. And it can be scary sometimes. We, we live about what's possible and the conclusions that we make based on that. And I, I'm just asking myself, even as I'm doing this message this week, I've started to ask myself, what impossibilities have I embraced that would make me afraid to take a risk or to hear God? What what things do I think are so true that God can never change them and it makes me afraid of what he would even come and want to say or do in my life? This is what the angel said to Zechariah in Luke 1.13. It says the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. I think heavenly messages always encourage us not to fear. If you are legit hearing something from heaven, the the part of that message will be, don't be afraid. He'll add other stuff to it. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, this is possible. Don't be afraid of men. Whatever it is, you start hearing from heaven and you also hear this encouragement, don't be afraid. God knows all your shortcomings. He knows the things we struggle with and he still loves us. He still calls us and he still uses us in situations and circumstances. And we're the ones that get so caught up in looking at all the things that disqualify us and God's coming and saying, hey, I love you. Let's do this thing together. Come on. At the end of the day, the power for the miraculous or heaven to manifest in our lives doesn't come from us anyway. Come on. We're looking at our shortcomings like we're the ones that are going to produce heaven in people's lives. Right. And it's not about us anyway. So he says, don't be afraid. This, this is a possibility. I can do this in your life because it's based on me. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I, want, I want you to, that verse that God said to Zechariah through the angel, says God has heard your prayer. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. I want you to hear that prophetically today. Maybe Even Phil, go ahead, put, that, put your name in that blank right there. Don't be afraid, Chris. God's heard your prayer. I want you to to look at somebody next to you with all the honest and authenticity that you can muster and say that phrase to them. Put their name in that blank. And if you don't know their name, that's a good moment to meet them. But look at somebody next to you. Say, don't be afraid, Pam. God has heard your prayer. Come on. Sometimes we need to hear that. Sometimes we need that reminder of God sees and he hears and he knows. And sometimes it's not going to come from us just waiting in a room saying, okay, I'm waiting for your voice, God. Sometimes it comes through the person next to us that looks, is able to look us in the face and be honest. And say, don't be afraid about that. God's heard your prayer. Let's pray about it again right now. Maybe that's part of the deal that you get to do. But don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. The angel goes on, he tells Zechariah that they're going to have a baby who's going to be the messenger who's going to make the way for Jesus. Come on, what an awesome thing to be trusted with that. Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world is about to show up on the scene and God trusted you so much that you're going to be the parents to the one that's going to pave the way for Jesus. What a great responsibility Zechariah and Elizabeth had. And when we hear God asking us to do something, Well, I I think uh, everything in God's kingdom is a big responsibility that he gives us. It could look like a little task or a huge thing that we couldn't wrap our mind around, but it's big because God asked us of it. He says, I want you to do this for me. There's nobody else I've asked you to do this. And when we hear God asking us to believe or to act or to do something or telling us not to fear, that's a big moment. That's a decision point that we come to in our lives because we we get to decide, what am I going to give my voice to? Am I going to begin to declare that God can do this? That He's able? That, that the promises that He's spoken are true? Am I going to begin to say that? Or am I going to give my voice to all the excuses and the shortcomings that I see in my life? This is what, unfortunately, Zechariah chose to give his voice to all the shortcomings. Because he said to the angel in verse 18 of Luke 1 How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. And thank God Elizabeth wasn't there, or Zachariah wouldn't live to finish this story. (laughs) Because he literally just called his wife an old lady. And that's what happened in that passage. Come on, this wasn't just him wanting info. I don't think this was an innocent, hey, tell me the plan, how's this going to happen? I think this was elevating his excuses how could this possibly happen? You don't know my life, God. I'm too old to do this. I'm too weak. I don't have money. I don't have a passport. I don't have the the ability or the resources. I don't have the knowledge to do this. That's what Zechariah was doing is he was elevating those shortcomings. We all have our own list. I can't do this. I have no money. I have no training. I don't. I can't. I, 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 I. Maybe you see what's the matter with that. I think here's a remedy for shortcomings. When we get so focused on what I, I, I can't do, the remedy for the shortcomings is stop talking about yourself and start rehearsing what God can do. Come on, that's where we get stuck in life is we think it's all about us and we start to give all the excuses. Look at what I can't do. I have this in my history. I can't get past this. I can't forgive that guy. I can't possibly mend that relationship. I could never come up with the resources needed for that. And God's saying, stop talking about yourself. And start focusing on what I can do. Can I tell you this morning, 100% of the time, it's better to trade in your excuses for what God wants to do. Just unload it. Just let's stop talking about ourselves and focus on what he can do. And Zechariah, he's given this list of excuses. And this is what happens in verse 19. It says, then the angel said, I am Gabriel. It means hero of God or power of God. It was a, you're already afraid of the angel and the presence you're feeling and the message you're receiving. And you hear this voice. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop talking now. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Do you know what just happened in that verse? That there was an angelic being who stood in the presence of God, who was filled with the power of God, who was astonished by our unbelief. He's like, don't you know God? That's what I hear in that passage. Don't you know what he can do? Why would you say that, Zechariah? Don't you know who you serve? And I still hear some of that echoing to us today. Why don't you believe? I hear him saying this to me sometimes. Why don't you, don't you know who you serve? Don't you know who spoke this over you and who has good plans for you? God was so set on this taking place you're going to have a baby. He's going to be the waymaker for the Messiah. He was so set on that taking place that he silenced any talk that would hinder that happening. I think as a commercial, that's how much power our words and our voice have. That the very thing that God wants to do in our lives, we can undermine it by what we say and what we think and what we believe. And God said, It's such a done deal that John the Baptist is going to be born that you're not going to be able to talk if that's the kind of things you're going to say. Can I, a lesson from this verse? Maybe, maybe sometimes I just need to shut my mouth and wait. Maybe sometimes I just need to be quiet and believe. After that moment, things are going well. Elizabeth was no longer asking Zechariah, why don't we talk more? I'm thinking, you had a built-in excuse. He's writing on the paper, the angel. He can't talk anymore, but things are going well. Somehow, even without a voice, they managed to figure out what to do to have a baby. All right, right on. This is a real story that we're talking about here things are going well. Elizabeth is expecting. And, and she has John the Baptist in her womb. She's waiting and expecting for this to happen. Things are going great. And Gabriel has another message. He goes to visit Mary. And this is what it says in Luke 128. It says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings favored woman, the Lord is with you. Come on, the, the Jewish nation was so far removed from what God intended for them that this greeting was unusual. For them to have heaven show up and say, you're favored. Man, God's with you. I think we, we don't appreciate how much we have it better on this side of the cross. Because every believer, remember, remember Jesus was talking about John the Baptist being the greatest under the old covenant. And he said, but the least in the kingdom is greater than him. As Christians, every one of us can receive this greeting from the Lord. You're favored, and God is with you. I know we already talked to each other. Can we do it one more time? And just look at somebody different than you did last time so it doesn't get old. And say, you're favored, and God is with you. <laughs> oh, I don't know if are you laughing when they say it to you or are you laughing of who you're saying it to i i don't know which way that goes but i think we should all hear that from time to time we need reminders that's part of why we gather together that's part of why we have relationships in on sunday morning and throughout the week because we need people to stare us in the face and say god's favor's on you He's with you. You've got this. You can handle this because He's with you. Not because it's your own strength, but because God, who does the impossible, lives in your life. We need each other to say that to us. <laughs> Man, so this is what happened when Mary received that greeting. Luke one twenty nine says, Mary was deeply troubled by the angel's message, and she wondered what His words meant come on again her reaction is not because of the appearance of the angel but the message that he carried the the fear the trouble the the confusion didn't come from this flaming angel guy appearing to her but the message he carried to her produced some fear in her and sometimes when we hear what god thinks of us we do that we say who me and god's looking down he says yes you why did, I don't know, who me? Why does that make me think of Alfred E. Newman and Mad Magazine? What, me worry? Like that That dumb look? No, I never read Mad Magazine. I knew other people that did and told me who he was. And if you're too old to know what... I, I was thinking, like, not even Mad Magazine. If you're too old to know what a magazine is. There used to be these the paper books that would appear... Uh, anyway... <laughs> Mary was deeply troubled by the message, but God's saying, yes, you, it's you. I want to work through your life. Heaven's breaking through in that moment when Mary gets this message, and it's breaking through the natural limitations and all the things she's thinking about. I'm a teenager. I'm not even married yet. How's this going to happen? I don't see how it's going to work. We don't have any money. That message from heaven, the natural reaction is, I start being afraid. I start being reluctant. I have a bunch of questions it's okay. It's just about how do we process that then? Do we give more power to the fear and the shortcomings? Or do we press in and say, all right, let me, let me just come into agreement with what you're saying to me, God. And just like any legitimate word from God, this was the next thing the angel said in verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary. Come on, don't be afraid, whoever you are this morning. Says the angel told her, You found favor with God. We don't have to fear because we've received his favor. Come on, that was part of the angelic proclamation to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Favor to men or peace on earth and come on. Goodwill. <laughs> this is this is terrible that I'm having a brain lock up right here. But there's favor resting upon men. That's the end of that verse. You found favor in his eyes. And on top of favor with God, Gabriel ends his message to Mary by saying, for no word of God will ever fail. I don't, I don't know about you, but I love to hear from God because his word is more reliable than anything we could ever dream up on our own. And Gabriel reminds her, no word from God will ever fail. Because it's on him to accomplish it. He's the one that's spoken it. You might have a translation that actually says nothing is impossible with God. What a God we have on our side. I don't, I don't know what we've been facing, what you're up against that you're thinking. This, is, this looks impossible. There's no way this could ever work out. And God says nothing is impossible with him. The correct answer. Mary, Mary gave the correct answer. When God speaks to us or he asks us to do something, come on, how many of you have ever been afraid to hear God's voice because we, we're scared of what he's going to ask us to do? I've, I've met people that legit, it's not just a cliche, they're legit afraid. God might ask me to go to Africa. God might ask me to give a whole bunch of money away. God might ask me to go be friends with those people and we cower and we shrink back from hearing the voice of God without realizing his favors on us. He's with us. Everything that he's going to speak and perform in our lives is for good. This is the right answer. When Mary hears the angel's message, she she'd ask some questions. I don't think she was looking at shortcomings. She she asked some legitimate questions. How's this going to be? I'm a virgin. I don't I've never known a man. And he tells her all these things and he says finally, Uh, that no word from God will ever fail. And her response is this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. Whatever God's speaking or asking of you, just say yes in advance. It saves us a whole lot of hassle in life. And I I think this is a great declaration. I want to be in agreement with God. God, may everything that you've said about me become true. There's, there's some of us that we need to come into agreement with what God said about us and be believing believers and, and understand what he's given to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. What we have now, the treasure that's in earthen vessels that we carry around, we need to believe, may God, may everything that you've said about me be true. He's for you, and he has heaven in mind for you. And whatever he's asked you to do, I want you to hear the tag on that this morning. Don't be afraid. He's heard your prayer. He's with you. His favor rests upon you. This is, this is where I'm going to land this morning for an action item. Don't be afraid. Or, or Merry Christmas. Whichever shorthand you want to use for that. I want you to hear that this morning. Whatever I don't know what you're praying about right now, what this season means to you, what God is asking of you, what, what He's spoken over you or your family, but I want you to hear whatever that message is. Don't be afraid. He can do it. He's with you. He's going to cause things to come into alignment. Everything that happens, He's able to work it together for our good because we're called and we love Him. Yes, thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you God. Don't be afraid. That's that's the decision point. That's the choice we get to make. God speaks these amazing things. And there are no impossibilities, anything he speaks over us. But at that moment when we hear it, I get to choose. Am I going to give in to the fear and stay in the place of looking at my shortcomings and not move? Or am I going to choose, don't be afraid, and begin to trust what he said over me? Let's go ahead and stand together. As you're meditating on the nativity story this week and looking back at these things, uh, there was another group of people in the story that were afraid. We talked about them a little bit last week. The shepherds were terrified when the angel appeared. But the remedy for their fear was the announcement of the gospel. There's good news for you. The Savior of the world is going to be born right here in Bethlehem. And if you've come to this place this morning, or you're watching online, and you've never decided to follow Jesus, to surrender your life to him. He came to save you. I don't know, sometimes we get held back by our fear. If I give my life to Jesus, what's he going to expect of me? He just wants you to know his love. Wants want you to know he has good plans for you, plans to give you a future. If you need to do that this morning, I'm going to encourage you, come meet us over by the cross before you leave or send us a note if you're watching online. But the rest of us in this room, I want to encourage you, keep this in mind every time you say Merry Christmas to somebody this week. Maybe you want to tag in there. You don't have to be afraid. I don't know what people are going through. I don't know if they might think you're weird or it might be a holy moment that the Holy Spirit shows up and says that's just what they needed to hear in that moment. Come on, I, I, I believe that there could be stories where we say to somebody, hey, Merry Christmas, don't be afraid. And it grips their heart and they stop and say, why'd you say that to me? Do you know what's happening in my life? Do you know what I'm going through right now? Be open to the fact that we carry heaven with us. Just the way that Gabriel came and heaven broke into that experience with Zechariah and Mary. We carry heaven into situations around us. And it can change the atmosphere and change lives. God, we thank you for your presence in this place today. The reminder that you are real, that you are with us, and that you are for us. God, I ask that as as we carry the message of Christmas from this place this week, that we would go forth in boldness, knowing that we don't have to be afraid, and that that's exactly the message we carry to the world around us. God, I ask for us to carry heaven in such a way that it sets people free from whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're afraid of, whatever they've been reluctant about, whatever's weighing on their shoulders. I thank you that we carry the good news. Lord, I thank you for holy moments all through this week that set people free, that that point people to you and your great love. God, strengthen each one of us as we leave this place today. Let us go not in fear and trembling, but knowing that you're with us, that you've called us, and that you've equipped us to carry your news to the world. Let us be salt and light in such a way that the name of Jesus is magnified in this region. We say we love you, we honor you, and we give you glory now. In Jesus' name, amen.